Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, with your host, J.R. Thickland. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Diglett. Right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. From coast to coast, you can hear us every Monday night, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, 8 o'clock Central. That is 7 o'clock in the Mountains Time Zone, 6 o'clock in the Pacific. And wherever you may be and whatever time it may be where you are, you're listening to... Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I'm so very glad to have you join us tonight. For those of you that are listening to us for the very first time, this show is about empowerment. This show is about the platform of hope and healing, that journey to wholeness. To those been, that who has been impacted by the issue of domestic violence, domestic abuse, spiritual abuse, physical, sexual, mental abuse, economical abuse, and not only abuse, but if you've been affected by loss, grief, rejection, abandonment, whatever it may have been that has caused you hurt, this show has been designed with you in mind. We believe that we are a platform to empower, a platform to encourage, but most of all, a platform to bring you back to a journey of wholeness. We believe that anything broken can be restored and that can be healed with the proper, with the proper method, with the proper support. With the proper persistency, I believe that it can all happen and that it's all possible tonight. <coughs> We're so glad to be with you on tonight as we're here on the last Monday night in the month of February, the last Monday night in this Black History Month. And for those of you that have been listening, we have taken the time inside of this whole entire month to observe black history and to try to bring this thing into a historical context of domestic violence and how does that have an impact on black history, meaning the history of our past, and how would the, how will domestic violence impact our future? Because understanding that every moment that we live, we are creating history. In other words, today, just five minutes ago, guess what? It's now history because of the fact it has now passed. And so what I'm saying is that how is it that today's climate and today's culture where violence is seemingly out of control, how will it, how will it impact our history? Where will it stand in the annals of history and the way that it has impacted us as individuals, as, uh, as community members, and as a society at large? And that is a very looming question when we are seeing so many different factors. 
passing of violence taking place all over. When we're seeing violence happen not only in our streets but in our homes, we're seeing violence happen across and abroad. War is everywhere. And yet it's still how are those things impacting us in our everyday life? Specifically, when we talk about issues of terrorism, we talk about terrorism oftentimes as it is a national security measure. But I would submit to you today that terrorism is something that we have to be careful of, that we're not even suffering at home. If you really want to know where homeland security is needed, take no further look than at the statistics that we're dealing with every day. That we're talking about every 12 seconds a female, namely, is battered in a domestic violence incident. Every six hours a female dies directly related to it. That sounds like terrorism to me, where you're under threat and when you're up under fear each and every day of your life, not knowing when something's going to happen, not knowing how it's going to affect you, not knowing when the strike is going to be, and feeling so paralyzed that you can't move forward. Well, look, we want to go beyond just a normal conversation. We want to go beyond just a normal dialogue about this subject matter. We want to talk about that journey to wholeness, because unlike talking about people on foreign soil, we're talking about what happens right in our own home. I like talking about fighting in a land that we have no address in. We're talking about what happens when one is living in fear on their own soil, and that is so important. But I think in order to look forward, we must look backwards. In order to look forward, we must look even at the impact of what our current day will have on our tomorrow. You've got to understand that we can overcome all things if we simply believe, but also if we begin to employ and put in place those things that are so important. See, we've got to understand something. We've got to get a hold of what's going on today. In the words of Franklin D. Roosevelt, he said, the only limit to our realization of tomorrow will be our doubts of today. And so we've got to understand that if we're going to afford a future with our children that is one that is bright, if we're going to afford a future with our children, one that says there is hope, if we're going to afford a future with our children, one that says there is possibility and probability of that prosperous life, and that which was once told us about the American dream, then that is going to have to happen to happen from the inside out. No, no act of Congress will cause it to happen. No, no striking of a pen, but it's going to have to be something that happens in the consciousness of each and every individual, the conscious of America as a whole, when we begin to understand how much violence have we not only dished out, but the, the, the impact of that violence today. That violence is taking place and it's spilling out in our classroom. It's spilling out in our public places. It's spilling out even in church houses. And so we are seeing it come from out of the home, inside of every place, and every arena, inside of every marketplace, we're seeing violence happen. More and more, we're seeing children that are being arrested for bringing guns to school. More and more, bloodshed is happening on the streets of America, not only just in urban areas, but rural areas. Everywhere, we're seeing it happen. And people, we must understand, things are not just happening. These things are not just creeping up. These things are a result of a culture, a behavior, and 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 an intolerance that we have gone on too long. You'll see Ashanti proverb that says, the ruin of a nation begins in the homes of its people. And no place truer is where we see it happening throughout America today. We're seeing it happen. So tonight is open mic. Tonight we want to hear from you. Tonight I want you to encourage someone because tonight we're talking about what is it that you can do? What is it that you can do if you had a message that you wanted to let America know? What is it that you would tell them? What is it that we can do to, to, to not only to eliminate the violence, but what is it that we can bring, do to bring hope and healing to a community that is already fractured? 
We got hurt and abused. We got fractured. Uh, we have definitely uh, fractured egos and fractured spirits from so many different sources. The child who has never seen their father or hardly ever see their father, the father who has abandoned the child, the sense of abandonment, the sense of rejection that so many children are feeling, the sense of not feeling worthy enough or not feeling valued enough is one that over, oftentimes overwhelms young people. And it's the battle they're fighting in their mind. They're trying to figure out why wasn't I important enough? Why didn't they love me? Why wasn't I important enough to them to stay with me? Why, you know, what's so bad about me that you decided to leave? These are questions that are being asked by children every day because of the fact that sense of loss. Listen. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I am your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'm so very glad that you've uh, joined us tonight here on the Soul of America Radio Network. I need you to call a friend, call a neighbor, text them, email them, Skype them, whatever you have to do. Tell them to join us here tonight right here on the soulofamericaradio.com. That's how you can reach us, soulofamericaradio.com. Go right to the tab that says Hope and Healing. Once you hit there, go into where it says live. That way you're coming in on a live broadcast tonight. And if you're not going to come in that way, you can listen to us by way of telephone, area code 323-784-9638, area code 323-784-9638. That is how you can reach us tonight right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. Now, for those of you that follow us, and you follow us through different ways, uh, Facebook and uh, other social media, I want to bring your attention once again to our Soul of America uh, our page there, Hope and Healing, Journey to Wholeness. You can find us right there on Facebook. We have a couple of pages there. One page is called Domestic Violence, It Is Your Business. I invite you to come and be a part of that page. Domestic Violence, It Is Your Business. You can join us on that page there. And that page there not only gives statistics, it gives information, it gives resources, it talks about the things to look out for as the impact of abuse, abandonment, and their need for us to respond as a people, as an individual. And then I want to invite you to our other page. And this page here I consider the one that is going to bring the healing, that's going to bring the hope, that's going to bring the going to bring the sense of peace, and that is the Destiny, Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship page. Let's say it again, Destiny by 2 Choice 2 Fellowship page. Let me try it a third time. Destiny by Choice 2, that's a rumor number 2, fellowship page on Facebook. That page is filled with inspiration, hope, encouragement, word that will lift you up. It is, it is that type of page there. It's a place that I consider the oasis on social media. You can go to Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship page. It is there. But tonight, I want you to know, I need you to do this with me today. Text every one of your friends. Text everyone there. Those that are on your email page, your friends. I think tonight is a night that as we are on the last Monday in the month of February in this new year, this is Black History Month, I need them to join in with us tonight because I think it's critical. I think it's critical that we look at this in the context of what it is. What is the historical context of domestic violence amongst our people? Where did it come from? How did it become so prevalent? And then not only do we look back to ask what that question is, but let's look forward. How will today's culture of violence affect the next generation? How will it affect them? That is very critical today. Area code, area code, area code, 78323-784-9638. That's how you reach us. Area code 323-784-9638. That's how you reach us tonight on Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. I am telling you, this is open line tonight. Uh, this is for you. Whatever question or comment that you have, I think that you have something to contribute tonight. 
What is it that you would tell someone? What is the message that you would like to send out to someone about how do we address this violence and address this hurt and pain, and how do we bring back a spirit of hope and healing inside of our community, inside of our, inside of our country, inside of the lives of our children? I believe that we have to do some things, but we have to understand that, uh, you know, that, that, that this starts with us. Once again, this is not going to happen on the outside. It happens from the inside out. I believe we have to understand what's going on inside. I love there's an African proverb that says, if there's no enemy inside, then the enemy outside can do us no harm. And so we have to understand that, is that if there's no enemy inside, then there's no enemy outside that can do us no harm. That underscores the fact of the fact that the ruin of a nation begins in the homes of its people. And so, therefore, if we're going to find hope, if we're going to find healing, if we're going to find a new family, a new life, a new society, it begins in our own homes. I believe that we have, as a people, have become very much over-dependent upon government. And as a result of it, we want government to fix this. We want government to fix that. We want government to straighten out this, that, and the other. But the reality is, is that we have the power within our own homes to straighten out so much, to make a decision, to make a conscious decision that we are going to change. In other words, don't ever underestimate the power of a choice. Don't ever underestimate the power of a choice. As you know that I have lived for years by the saying of William B. Jennings that says, William Bryan Jennings that says, for your destiny is not a matter of chance, it is a matter of choice. So we have to understand there's power inside of a choice. We have to come together and understand that if we're going to see our communities heal, it starts with us. If we're going to see the next generation with a better future, it starts with us. We must put in the time. We must put in the time and the effort. We must invest into the next generation or we're going to see even more of what we've seen thus far. That is the challenge today. I want you today to understand that we need you. You need you. Your family needs you. This generation needs you. And the future needs you now. You listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin. I'm so very glad that you've joined us. Now, listen, right after this break, we're going to open up our lines. Our lines are open to you today, Eric 323-784-9638. That's how you can reach us. If you desire to have a question and or comment, simply hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you want to come on the air, and we will get you on the air. But I want you to know today. I want you to make up your mind that though this is ending toward the end of this month, let this be the first day of the rest of your life. Let this be the first day of the rest of your decision. Let this be the first day. In other words, this is the day that you've made up your mind that no longer are you going to sit on your hands. No longer are you going to become a spectator in life nor a commentator in life. But today, make up your mind that you're going to become a participator. You're going to participate in making sure that things will not continue the same, not on your watch. And that's what I want you to get in your heart tonight, to say no. Not on my watch. I will not stand back and let another drive-by shooting happen on my watch. I will not allow another sense of uh, ignorance and senseless murders and senseless act of violence to happen. Not on my watch. Until we take personal responsibility, nothing changes. And that's the charge today. That's the challenge. You're listening to Open Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I will be right back after the break. I'm looking for your phone call. Thank you.
Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness with J.R. Thicklin is coming back right after this. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio, LLC. This is the one and only Soar. domestic violence in her lifetime. Every year, nearly three million children witness domestic violence right in their homes. Domestic violence is most likely to occur between the hours of 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. More than 60% of domestic abuse incidents happen right at home. Survivors of domestic violence face high rates of depression, sleep disturbance, anxiety, flashbacks, and other emotional distress. If you or someone that you know is a victim of domestic violence, or if you think someone is, reach out to them. If you are a victim, reach out to somebody. You can call the National Hotline right now at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. If you didn't have a chance to write that number down, call Jay Thicklin right now at 1-323-784-9638. Speak to Jay right now at 323-784-9638. And now, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, continues with your host, J.R. Thicklin. tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. From coast to coast, this is where you find us every Monday evening, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, 8 o'clock on the Central Time Zone, 7 o'clock, that's right, 7 o'clock, you can find us there in the uh, Mountain Time Zone, and of course, you can find us 6 o'clock in the Pacific Time Zone. We have opened up the mics today. This is open line as we begin to talk about the the importance here of our historical contribution inside of this issue of violence, particularly domestic violence, but really what holds, what, what does the future hold for the next generation? In a culture that is filled with violence, what is it that what does the next generation have to look forward to uh, when we have seemingly become fascinated 
fascinated by violence. When violence has become a way of life and a way of living, when violence has become something that one finds sport in, and yet it's still it's nothing funny when we see violence take a turn that has an impact on the way people see the world, on the way that they see themselves, the way our children view them, their lives and view roles and function. And when we see that type of violence happen, what is our responsibility as a people? And that's very important. We're here the last Monday in the month of February of this new year, 2014, and this is Black History Month, a black awareness uh, uh, month. And, uh, and my question reaches to a point of saying about what is the historical context of the impact of domestic violence? What, what, what role, how, how has that impacted us and how will it impact us uh, futuristically when we look down the road and our children are having to deal with what they're dealing with? You know, how does how do we deal with that? How do we get there? How do we find ourselves, uh, you know, being able to explain this? How do we begin to show that there is a better way and there's a different route and we have to do better than what we've done because there is a cry, there's a need. I, I tell you there is a need to make a difference inside of so much that is going on. And if we don't look at those things, then we have a problem. If we don't really take this seriously, then we have a problem that goes beyond that goes beyond uh, anything that we can begin to even uh, explain. Because our communities are our communities are uh, are definitely impacted by this. Our families are torn by violence. Our communities are destroyed by violence. Our faith is tested by violence. So therefore, it's incumbent upon us that we respond to the violence. And yet, it's still, and 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 yet, it's still in saying all that. We continue to see, if you would, we continue to see this sense of um, apathy, this sense of apathy when it comes to this subject matter, this sense of apathy when it comes to how uh, we respond to these things. And we have so much to look at. We have so much to look at the impact of so many things, how it has affected us, how it will affect us, and um, what, what will we do in the future? What will we do? What is the lessons that our sons and our daughters are learning even right now? What is it that they're embracing? Because I believe that we have a responsibility. It's a responsibility, and I, and I want to say it again. There's an African proverb that says, if there's no enemy inside, then the enemy outside can do us no harm. And, and that underscores that, wow, it just underscores, if you would. It underscores the uh, Ashanti proverbs that simply said this, folks. It says that the ruin of a nation begins about in the homes of its people. I have long believe, and I continue to champion the call, that I say this. I believe this, that there's no enemy outside of us. There's no enemy outside of us that can destroy us. I've said this long and many times when it comes to even uh, America. I am not worried in the least bit. <laughs> I'm not worried in the least bit about the impact of, uh, uh, of domestic terror, of, should I say, international terrorism. I have no fear of that type of terrorism. However, I think that we must take in consideration that there is much to be considered when we talk about what's happening inside. Our families are at risk. Our communities are at risk. From the inside out, we are, we are suffering at an all-time high. And I think that we have a responsibility. Come on, let's say that together. We have responsibility. I almost said, let's, let's come on, let's, let's curse with me. We have a responsibility as a people, as individuals, to stand up and speak out against the violence that we continue to see. And that is what I want to say tonight. We have this responsibility that each and every one of us have to do in order to make this uh, about 
our children, about the next generation. Because if we fail to step up and speak out, then what we are sending a resounding message. We're sending a resounding message underscoring the reality of domestic violence and that the reality of violence becoming such a commonplace in our lives. And who amongst us can afford for this to become a commonplace? I am very concerned, and let me put it that way, I'm very concerned about what we're seeing. I'm very concerned about where we're headed. I'm concerned about the way that we are treating this issue because oftentimes we don't want to speak about it until it's hit home. We don't want to speak about it until people have been been uh, hurt and loved ones that we can relate to. But why wait? Why wait until those things happen? Why wait until people begin to uh, uh, suffer at the hands of violence? Why wait? Why wait? That, that's really the question. Why wait till those things happen? I think we have a responsibility to do better. I think we have a responsibility to speak out. I think we have a responsibility to, uh, to make sure that not only do we speak out against it, but we have a responsibility to stand up and just simply say, no, it cannot happen on our watch. Who will stand up and say this is not tolerable? Who will stand up and say we cannot allow this to go on? Who will stand up and say no, no, no longer uh, can we continue to allow things to happen that continues to rip away the very heart of our community? And I think that that is something that we have to really look at. I think that is something that we have to really consider that if we remain silent, and that's, and that's one of the things that I think that is so important here, that our silence uh, is something that gives power to things. Our silence is something that continues to say that uh, it's our approval, and we cannot afford to send that message. Our children must know that this is not the message and this is not the life that we want to perpetuate or do uh, in, in this world. We, not, we do not want to do that. And so uh, we have to understand that we have such a great responsibility. I believe that when we make up our mind, when we come together, when we recognize the fact of our power, and I cannot get over that, that we have this tremendous power that we are failing to tap into, this tremendous power that we are failing to look at for what it is, this tremendous power that we continue to go on as if, you know, as if uh, we don't have it. But we have this tremendous power that we can make such a tremendous difference if we only try, if we give our heart to these things, if we give our hearts to know wisdom, if we give our heart to, uh, to do the right thing, if we give our heart to speaking up and speaking out, I believe that we make a difference a hundred times over. And I believe that when we make that type of difference, then the world hears us. And I believe that when our world hears us, they will stand up and they will join in with us. I believe that that is so important. And we have to embrace that type of thinking because you've got to understand that, I, I, that when we do that, then it sends a message throughout the universe, you know, because you've got to understand something. We have to make it happen. We have to take personal responsibility. I cannot say that enough. We have to take personal responsibility. You know, it, it is so important that we take that path of that personal responsibility because when we do, it happens for us. It was Ralph Waldo Emerson who said, once you make a decision, the universe conspires to make it happen. But have we made that decision? When we make the decision that enough is enough, when we make that decision that we will no longer tolerate this type of thing and that this is not the norm, we will not allow there to be a new norm, a new norm that says violence is okay, a new norm that says that this is the way of life, a new norm that says that, that it's all right. We can at least afford to have this new norm. And because 
also the fact we we, we are, have continued to go forth and we have continued to uh, say things and allow things to happen that we shouldn't. I think that we find ourselves in a position that we have done nothing but fed the lion. We have fed the lion. We have fed, we have fed into it, and therefore we have not seen the impact that we should be seeing. And I'm telling you, that impact is something that we must take on. That impact is something that we cannot afford to sit around and act as if it doesn't matter. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here, right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. I want you to know tonight that we have the ability to make a difference, and I'm challenging each and every one of you tonight to be willing to stand up and speak out. Let's make the difference that we need to make. Let's become the change that we so the change that we so want to see in the earth today. Are you willing to become that agent of change? Because that's really what we're asking. Are we willing to become that agent of change? And if we're willing to become that agent of change, then listen, there's nothing that can stop us. There's nothing that can rob us of who we are if we are willing to become simply that agent of change. That is the question on today. That's the question that we must answer. We must answer it in a way that has not been answered in such a long time. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin. You're listening to it right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. Uh, Erico 323-784-9638. Erico 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us tonight. This is Open Line. I want us to take a look at the impact of uh, domestic violence, even from a historical context, as we look back but also need us to look forward and think about how will the culture climate of violence that we live in today, where abuse is on a rampage, how will it affect tomorrow? What will become the sense of norm to our next generation? I want to hear from you tonight, area code 323-784-9638. When you call, please hit uh, number one on the keypad if you desire to have a question and a comment. We'd love your comment tonight. Matter of fact, we're inviting you. We're inviting you tonight to give your comment. To give, if you had, if you had but one, if you had but one piece of advice that you could leave the world today, as it relates to peace and harmony and and to and, and to rid violence, what would that be today? Your voice need to be heard. I want to hear from you today. America need to hear from you today, and all around, uh, all around from coast to coast, they need to hear from you today. Eric code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That is how you reach us. Hit number one, one on your keypad uh, if you would like to uh, definitely share that with us on today because it is so needed. I cannot tell you enough how much it is needed, and I desire that you would be a part. Uh, uh, and, and I want you to really be a part of it right now. And so as you know, uh, we are already in the last week of the second month of this new year. The last week of the second month of this new year. Are you kidding me? Where is time gone? And we need you. We need your question. We need your answers. We need you to be a part of this. And that's how you can do so. Your opinion matters. And I want to share with you today that it is so critical that you have something to say. Come on. I need you to call in today. I need to hear from you. America needs to hear from you. Across the globe, we need to hear from you because of the fact this is something that is so important. You've got to understand that if we're going to see change, we have to become that change. Understand, we have to begin to recognize this, that it's beyond, even at this point, teaching. Sir Winston Churchill said it very good. He said, we teach what we know, but we reproduce what we are. And 
That is what we're dealing with with, um, with America. We're reproducing next generations of batterers. We're reproducing the next generation of, of victims. We're reproducing these individuals, and it's because not only are we lacking to teach what we know, but we're, we're, but we're reproducing what we are. Any time that our, 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 uh, our values are compromised, that we're silent about issues that are so impacting to the human spirit, then it, so, it shows a whole lot about the consciousness of us as individuals. You know, in the end, Martin Luther King Jr. said it very similar like this. He said at the end, in the end, it won't be, it won't be the loud voices uh, that people remember about you. It won't be those things. He said, but the thing that we will remember most is the silence of our friends. It won't be the loud noise of our enemies, but it will be the silence of our friends. And so you and I must understand that if we're going to make an impact, we have to stand up and become the change that we desire to see in the world. I believe today that we've been called to do something extraordinary. I believe that we've been called to do something that, is, that has not been done. I believe that we've been called to recognize that if we're going to see our communities change, if we're going to see our nation change, it will not happen behind an Oval Office. It will not happen because of the stroke of a pen. It will not happen because of legislation of Congress alone, but it will happen when we as individuals take it up in our heart and simply say that we can no longer continue on with a culture that continues to perpetuate violence, that continue to embrace pain and hurt, and then call it somehow or another, this is the norm of America. No, my country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. And I sing of a land that does not continue to endorse and to embrace this type of violence. We have the power to do something about it. I believe that. Your voice is very important tonight. Can I hear from you tonight? Area code 323-784-9638. Love to hear from you tonight. This open line, simply hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you'd like to get on the air, and we can bring you on the air. So what is the question again? The question is tonight, is how will the impact of violence and our culture of violence that we find ourselves living in, how will it impact us? What will history record about this time and this age? And what impact would it have had as we look forward? When we're seeing the advent of violence everywhere, where we pay to see violence, where violence is a part of everyday life, where no, you don't have to look no further than social media and you're seeing uh, video clippings of young girls just absolutely, uh, I mean, literally beating one another senseless, where we're seeing even guys beating young girls senseless, where we're seeing an environment, a culture, where violence have seemed to have been tolerated. What will history record? And so my question to you today is that if you only had one thing that you could say to America, if you had but one piece of advice that you can give as it relates to harmony and peace and to restoring peace and, and to ridding the violence, what would it be? I need to hear from you. Area code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That is how that's how you reach me today. And you're listening to J.R. Thicklin, Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. Right after the commercial break, we'll be taking your calls. Stand by, please, as you're listening to Hope and Healing. We'll be right back after the break. Thank you for listening.
You're listening to the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. And remember, you can catch this show every Monday night, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 8 o'clock p.m. Central. And give them a call tonight at 323-784-9638. You give Jay a call right now. And now, back to the show. back and understand that we must 
charge ourselves to do the right thing. We must charge ourselves to stand in and not back down from the things that we ought to be doing. I think that we have to be very careful in a day society that we don't always look for the easy way out. Let me say something. We have gone, come to a place that what we're in, there is no easy way out. What we have succumbed to in our society and as our culture, there is no easy way out. I'm reminded of the words of Zig Ziglar, and Zig, Zig Ziglar is one of my favorites. Growing up, he, he captured my attention when I was even in high school. He captured my attention inside of a, the book, uh, See You at the Top. But one of my favorite things that he says, he says something of this day. He said, when you're tough on yourself, life is inevitably easy. But when you're easy on yourself, life will be inevitably difficult. And so I think that what we have to understand is that sometimes we have to make the tough decisions. We have to make the tough decision to stand and say, this will not be tolerated in my community. This will not be tolerated in my home. I will not allow this to become the culture in which I'm going to succumb to. Because if I succumb to it, then we're going to find ourselves in a lot of pain. We're going to find ourselves, and that's what we're seeing. People look no further than the records of our juvenile justice, our juvenile society. So many of our young people are locked up and are in records, having records of criminal activity so very early on. And it didn't happen because they're bad children. I think there are layers and layers of things that have happened in our society. Everything from taking the, taking the very wheels off of our society. No, no rules, no boundaries. Everything goes. Because somewhere along the line, somebody thought freedom was the absence of boundaries. Freedom is never the absence of boundaries. But freedom never come cheap. Freedom never come free. Listen, even Jesus said salvation is free, but it wasn't cheap. It cost him his life. What's important enough to us to act upon? What is important to us enough to stand up and say, I must make it happen? How many more people have to die? How many more funerals do we have to attend? How many more uh, memorials and things that we find ourselves? How many more hospital beds? Will we wake up one morning living with regret and pain that is so deep inside of us that we'll find ourselves really wondering why and how? Jim Rohn said it this way. He said, we must all suffer from one or two pains, and I believe this, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The difference is that discipline weighs ounces while regret weighs tons. Discipline yourself now <laughs> before others have to. Eric code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. Eric code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That is how you reach us. You like to have a question and a comment? Simply hit the number one on your keypad that lets our producer know that you want to come on the airway. We have a caller on the line right now. That's right. Eric code. Uh, uh, well, uh, the last four numbers six nine six two. Good evening and welcome to Hope and Healing: A Journey to Wholeness. You're on the air. Good evening, Pastor. Good evening. How um, are you? My, I'm great, thank you. How are you doing? I am doing great, but I must you probably hear the passion in my heart and my voice today because of the fact I do think that we have to wake up and not be such reactionary people. And I think that we have to understand this is not a this is not a job that we can say is the government's job. I think that we have to do it as individuals. We must take responsibility and ownership for ourselves and then our communities. But what's on your mind? That's just my mm-hmm. passion tonight. Yes, and, and and what a phenomenal passion it is. I was, I was as I'm listening to the the show this evening. I 
I often think about, you know, the things that are going on right now with um, with the different um, trials, with you know, the Trayvon, which was, the, you know, passed last year, and then this new case that just happened with the the young man that got um, killed. And I, I, I look at it like this. It's almost like a modern-day lynching. The only thing different is that they don't have any sheets on. And... Me and my father were discussing this this evening. It's it's almost like, you know, this so-called um, stand-your-ground law was um, created just for for them, so to speak, so they can, you know, have a reason to kill. And I, I, I think about my, my people as a culture, and we have to kind of wake up so we don't end up going backwards um to you know 1960 and who I wasn't even thought of then but to that era you know and um because it, it's just it's mind boggling to me how how we behave and how we you know they have more um i guess more value for a uh for a material possession than opposed to life at times <laughs> You know, yeah. So that was pretty much like my comment. You know, when you say that, I, and I really appreciate your uh, your comment tonight. You know, we talked a little bit about this last week with the case of uh, Jordan Davis, Michael uh, Dunn case mm-hmm. here that have come up, and we understood mm-hmm. that the verdict that came out, and uh, sadly enough, you know, uh, that uh, literally on the count that dealt with murder, uh, mm-hmm. first-degree murder, all of a sudden we have a hung jury, and, and, and then we're talking about a retrial here. And I, I've looked mm-hmm. over the years. I've looked over the years at many of the cases that we were not only talking about the Trayvon Martin cases. We've seen many cases of what looks to be mm-hmm. character misjustice and things that are involved, especially when they are seen to be black and white that is involved inside of it. And I, and I can't help but to say as sad and as, tra- as tragic as it is, one of the things that continue to, that, that eat up at me is that I wonder to a certain degree, Mm-hmm. What would happen if we as a people really stood up for the value of our own lives? What do you mean by that? When I think mm-hmm. of kind of just kill off each other, kill up each other, there's no big rallies, there's no big marches, mm-hmm. there's no big none of that. See, when Pookie mm-hmm. killed Ray Ray over there from over on First Street, we act as if that's just a normal part of life. We go on. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, when we try to find out who did it, you know what our people say? I'm not snitching. Mm-hmm. I'm not snitching. Right. Yeah. And we can know that Pookie right. killed Ray Ray. And yet it's still mm-hmm. we accept it as a community that that's all right. And we saw it by then, you know, three weeks later, two months later, now John John mm-hmm. did kill Pookie in retaliation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is that in, in many ways we continue to give this picture as if our lives have no value unless right. it is taken or injured by a person of, of, of Anglo-Saxon descent. Yeah. yeah. Why is it that we are not outraged with the violence that happened mm-hmm. between each other? And I think that that is, that is almost a conflicting message that is happening. And the message is the fact mm-hmm. that, yes, we are outraged when we see injustice happen white on black, yeah. but we are so tolerant 
and almost accepting what had yeah. happened between one another. And what does that really say? What does that really say? And I think we have a responsibility as a society. We've got to speak up. And I don't care if we've known Pookie or, 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 or Ray Ray or John John or whoever our whole lives. The reality mm-hmm. is, is that we must hold everyone to a standard. And I believe that's, that's one of our keys, that, that we have to get back to the point of holding our lives valuable. Do we value our own lives? Do we value one another? And I think that's the key tonight. And I think what has to happen is this. I think these injustices that we see here ought to be a wake-up call to us. Mm-hmm. That'll be a wake-up call to us. Because, once again, if I value me, I take care of me. Mm-hmm. If I value me, I cover me. If I value me, I treasure me. But when I don't value me, then I treat me and those that look like me as being disposable. They're disposable. Yeah. Think about it. You ever hear yeah. the vigor that comes out of our voice? And you hear it on, on some of the music that we have. I don't give a, about an N-word. And we continue to do that because, you know what, We've, we drank the Kool-Aid. We drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah. So our anger is toward one another, and mm-hmm. we can destroy one another. No one stops to say, am I my brother's keeper? It's the turn of the tide. As you take the time, and this is what we talked about last week, and you're listening tonight, mm-hmm. Erico, 323-784-9638, you listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, your host, J.R. Thicklin. As last week we talked about, you know, my day was really took on a whole new life when I received a um, when I received a link that was posted on my Facebook page from from a friend of mine out of uh, who now lives in Atlanta, but it's from Selma, Alabama, even as I am. And when that friend began to put a post there about the Bloody Sunday March, and it it went through you know each of the marches there that eventually culminated from Selma to Montgomery. What was so visible to me, which I've always noticed, for some reason it just stood clear. I saw a sea of unified people. I saw people who were truly their brother's keepers. I saw individuals who was willing to stand together, though they had been beaten back by billy clubs only a few days earlier. But they were determined to make it happen because they did not just think of themselves and the current present moment. They thought of the future. They thought of you, Gloria. They thought of me. They thought of our children. They thought of the people in the future. And I'm afraid that we don't think, we don't think beyond today. So we forfeit the ultimate mm-hmm. because of the immediate. We forfeit the mm-hmm. old, We sacrifice the ultimate for the immediate. Mm-hmm. We're taking one another's lives. Yeah. We're devaluing. Too many mothers have had to buy black dresses. Too many mothers are, are going broke and stuff because they're trying to bury their sons. Mm-hmm. Too much of it's happening. And because we don't value it, it continues mm-hmm. to go on. And the next generation sees it. And the next generation, the next generation, mm-hmm. I'll say this, and I know we have another caller that's waiting to get on. I had the opportunity last mm-hmm. evening, and I was sitting in a local Walgreens. 
And as I was standing there waiting to be rung up, three young men, teenage young men, ranging probably from the ages of 14 to 16, maybe 17, and I listened to them as they had a conversation, and one began to say, you all act like y'all scared of the end. And because he, you know, I ain't scared of the end. He know I ain't scared. He ain't going to sell out and talk that junk to me because, you know, uh, he know I'll do something to him. And the other guy said, yeah, I would have jumped on it too, but I thought he was kidding you and stuff, and I ain't want to make no trouble if I knew he was kidding you. Yeah, he just need to know, I ain't got to know in. And I sat there and I listened to young men who, number one, did not refer to themselves, did not refer to, to themselves uh, any less than six times as the N-word. Mm. They talked about they did not care. They did not care, and that's one of the things that we're missing the most. We don't seem to care. We don't seem to value life. And as a reason, as a result of that, what we're seeing is a culture that is solely but surely is self-absorbed. It is killing one another. We don't see that. And when I looked at that Selma and Montgomery March, and I began to see shoulder to shoulder and standing together and seeing this we shall overcome and seeing this happen, I know without a shadow of a doubt what I saw was a picture of unity. I saw when people said, I am my brother's keeper. Martin Luther King Jr. died in Memphis, Tennessee, but he was there because of sanitation workers who one may consider the bottom of the chain for his employment, but their theme was, I am a man too. And I think that is what we've lost. We have lost the sense of dignity of who we are. I am my brother's keeper. I respect you as a man. Let's be a man. If we're going to charge each other a man up, it won't be because of the, the amount of bling that we have on our neck or the 24s or 26s that we're riding on, but it will be because of the values that we hold dear, the ones that we can perpetuate to the next generation, and the one that we can be proud to pass on to our sons and our daughters and be able to say, yes, I'm proud to say that's my father, and I'm proud to say that's my mother. But how many of our children will have that opportunity? Gloria is always just so glad to have you standing with us, holding the line with us anyway. You're listening to Open Healing, A Journey yes. to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin. I'm so very glad that you've joined us on tonight on this great radio network. And we have another caller that is holding. That's right. It looks like my friend here. All right. Uh, number eight is 0210. Good evening. Welcome to Open Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. How are you doing tonight, sir? Hey, how you doing, Pastor Thicklin? How are you doing? I am doing great. So glad that you've joined us tonight. Oh, yeah, I've been listening in. Um, great show, great comment from the last caller. Um, what are we going to do, Mike? Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, Mr. Thicklin is, um, you know, over the years we developed this sense of self-hatred for each other. And uh, we all know where it comes from. It, 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 it developed through slavery. Um, how do we change this attitude and behavior is most important, in my opinion. And uh, I think that we got to start with, you know, like start changing this behavior one family at a time, one person at a time, teaching them and educating them through our history and what we came and what we're going through and what we come, you know, like what we're going through. Um we can sit here, you know, we talk about these things, and we can sit and talk about it all day long, man. Well, we got to get these people. We got not these people because these people are my people I'm talking about. We got to get ourselves educated, and we got to stop this foolishness. You talk about the bling bling, riding on the big wheels. We 
have lost our sense of education, our self-pride, you know, it's gone in the black community. We talk about it all the time. It's sad. I just want to know how could we remedy this situation? How can we make this situation better? And I'm I'm thinking that the only thing that I can come up with right now, Mr. Thicklin, is the fact that we got to educate our people. They lost. We are lost. They, we, us, we lost. You know what? You said something powerful. We are lost. And I'm going to throw this in here because I think it's important. I think we, somehow or another, you think about the quest for education. You, 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 you think about the Ruby Bridges story. You think about so many things happened, folks who, who, who died, uh, who sought for education to break barriers inside of, uh, of segregation and to integration, that fought for education, that understood that education was the way out and understood that education was the freedom that we look for. And yet and still we've seen the pendulum turn back. Watch what I'm about to say. Even though we are seeing a lot of people educated, I'm not so sure if we are educated. Yeah, I know exactly what I said, because I believe this. I believe, I believe it was Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. that said, really, the, the true measurement of education he talked about was intelligence. He was talking about not only was intelligence, but it was also compassion and understanding. Yes. We've got a whole generation of educated people but who can care a rat's behind about those behind them because the only thing that they're saying is that i got mine and you've got to get yours. But that was never yeah. the way of yeah. the old. We were our brothers and sisters keeper. So what we're dealing with now yeah. is a whole generation, I believe, that is being controlled by this. All that is in the world is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So now we begin to equate success with having things. Success is the accumulation of things. So that's why the brother who has no education, has no mind, thinks that he succeeded because he's riding on the he's riding on the 24, 26, or the Spreewells or whatever, and they think he's arrived because he's got the bling. And guess what? We celebrate that. We celebrate that in our music. We celebrate that in our videos. We celebrate that. And so guess what? No one holds them accountable. They can be king for a day. They can be king in somebody's mind because they're riding and they, they walk and they look like they got the bleem, and yet it's still people don't read long enough to understand that half of the stuff that we see doesn't live very long very often. We see the same guys who get money quick, end up in bankruptcy, having nothing to show for it, and yet it's still we have become so intoxicated with these type things. So now our young boys are living in, even in their mind thinking this is the way to go. What culture gets off on degrading themselves? The N-word is used so often by us that it's unreal. It is probably the second most frequently used word in our language. Yes. Because yes. of that, we throw it around, and then we have the audacity to try to, to justify it. Say, well, we ain't saying nigga. We put an A on it. Oh, really? All of a sudden, you become some linguistic phonetic expert. Like that changes the meaning because you put an A on the end of it? Yeah, hey, hey. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. See, when, you, when I talk about education, I'm definitely not talking about going to get a degree or going to ITT Tech and getting a trade. I'm talking about educating ourselves on life and where we come from and where we are as a group of people, general stuff, stuff, you, you, you know what I mean? And 
And just like what you mentioned, I mean, um, knowing that you haven't arrived because you got a set of wheels and you got a nice chain on your neck and you got some days on your feet, you haven't arrived. You know, um, knowing that it's more than life than having these things, uh, erasing this crap and a barrel mentality that we have. Oh, you got yours? I, uh, um, um, I got mine. You better get yours. You know, this is, that is not what we are built on as people, but that's the attitude that we have adapted or adopted as people. And, 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 and as a man, a black man, it's important for me to teach my little black son and give him more direction, even more direction than what I've gotten just by, by through, through, through my younger years, knowing where we are today and knowing where I want to see us go in the future. So i got to be able to prepare my son and my daughter on, and, and, and teach them on the way that they should go. But we got to take personal responsibility as black people. We got to take personal responsibility as black folks, giving our kids an understanding, educating them, not in a classroom, on history. Some of these kids don't have no clue about black history. They only know Martin Luther King. There's so much, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I love Martin Luther King, but it's so much black history. It is so much, it goes way in depth. Uh, they only go, they only understand what have been taught in school because they're not going to pick up books these days and read. So that's sad. And the kids are not picking up books because the parents don't even open books. They don't even do homework with kids. And, and I'm not bashing our people. Please don't think that I'm bashing us. I'm only saying that what we're not doing and what we need to be and what we should be doing. And I, and I am saying that. That's it. That's well, you, you, well, you have every you, listen. You have every reason to say this because here's the thing about it: what we're chasing is not the answer. We're chasing an imagery that says that we have accomplished. Watch this: that we have accomplished. We look accomplished. We live. We have these things here, and yet, it's still, what we don't have is substance. We're we're chasing symbols, but we don't have substance. See, without substance, there's no reproduction of life. See, watch this. Even faith is the substance of things hoped for <laughs> and the evidence uh-huh. of things not seen. And so what exactly. we have here is the fact that people are chasing things. They're looking for a tangible thing, not understanding that the tangible thing that they are searching after cannot truly manifest and bring the results that they want to need because what they need is something that is intangible inside of them. They need to understand look, the conscious, the, just their conscious alone that will keep them from doing crazy things that continue to bring self-destruction to themselves as a people. Think about it. I continue to say, and as I said to the last caller, you know, we t- continue to talk about the violence that happens, but, but we have to examine the fact. Why is it that our lives only have meaning when we perceive an injustice by someone from another ethnicity? Why doesn't our life have the same value when we are perpetrating violence against one another? You know, we, mm-hmm. we, you know, everybody wants to quote Dr. King, and I love him. That's one of my favorites. But they only quote from the I Have a Dream speech. 
Very few times they quote from other places. But what about things that when he says stuff like, uh, what was it, returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Yeah, exactly. Only love can do that. And, And yet it's still we hear no greater hatred like we do in our own communities. I'm amazed when I see our brothers go at each other. I'm amazed the words I'm hearing our young sisters say to one another. I'm amazed the number of B words that come out of young sisters' mouth and ready to beat one another down and ready to pull one another hair, whether it be their own or the one that bought, out of their head because there's such a deep sense of hatred there. Hatred, I mean, just as violence cannot drive out violence, neither can hate drive out hate. It takes love to drive out hate, and just like it takes peace to drive out this violence. And we continue to perpetuate against one another, and as a result, we see it happening. Understand what I'm saying? The hatred that we see in our homes. When our kids witness domestic violence and stuff, they internalize the sense of the sense of the sense of hatred, the sense of intolerance, the sense against one another. And they grow up with these type things inside of them. What does real love look like? What does real love feel like? What is this real love that, that you guys continue to talk about but I don't see? They're not seeing it. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. And, and Mike, let me say something. You said something, and you echo what I said earlier. It, take, it, it takes a personal responsibility, a personal commitment. And see, I think that somehow or another we became too dependent on government. And guess what? If you give government that type of power, guess what's happened? The same government that you've given power to do one thing, you've also given government that same power to do another. And so this is personal responsibility. What America needs cannot be done with the signing of any pen. There's no executive order. There is no legislation that will change the heart of America. It is personal responsibility. It is personal empowerment that is going to cause this to happen. And we got to know it. It is the same spirit and attitude that we must rid ourselves of when we continue to send children off to school and think they're here as the teachers are supposed to transform them overnight, and we fail to do our part as parents. We look forward to sending them to school, not because they're being educated, but because we can get them off of our hands. And that's the wrong attitude. That's the wrong <laughs> attitude. Because we want someone to work a miracle with our children when we won't take the time to invest inside of them. We're no longer committed to their cause. We're no longer committed to the transformation of them. We don't have, we don't have the patience to walk through the process. Listen, we got to have patience to walk through the process. How dare us stand in front of the microwave patting our foot and our feet like, come on here. Are you kidding me? The investment, and the investment is time. The investment is energy. The investment is love. The investment is patience. The investment is us. And we want to give everything but us. Here you go. Here's an iPad, but not us. Here you go. Here's a cell phone, but not us. Here you go. Here's Here's a PlayStation, but not us. Here you go. Here's a laptop, but not us. That's even worse. We're giving things, but we're not giving us. We're investing in things for them, but we're not giving of ourselves. And that's what must happen. If we're going to see a better America, it won't start at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. It started in our home. It's not the White House. It's our house. 
Because where there's no hope for the future, there's no power for the present. When there's no hope for the future, there is no power for the present. And we have to have hope for the future. And we've got to restore that hope because that hope has dwindled. You can look in the eyes of our children and it's dwindling. That is the reason why they feel like they're living in a hopeless society because of the fact that that's what's being dealt out here. Death by execution, death by word, death by gunshot every day. We have to begin. And we have to begin in our house. And we got to understand that we got to get over some stuff. We got to get over some things. You know, we got to get over some things. Somehow, we're going to begin. And this is a message I would love to deliver to the gangs. This is a message I love to deliver to families that are at odds with one another. This is the message I want to. I would love to give to the church. And I want to give a message of forgiveness. I want to give a message that understands the fact that if we're going to get up from where we are, if we're going to pull ourselves out of this dundrum and this dungeon that we've dug for ourselves, it's going to start with forgiveness. And understand that forgiveness is not a sign of weakness because the weak cannot forgive. The weak will never forgive. Forgiveness is only the attribute of the strong. Forgiveness is not an attribute of the weak. It's an attribute of the strong. The reality is, is that can we be strong? See, the reality goes even further than that. Let me share something with you. I believe this. When you talk about us as a people, we've been through adversity. We know adversity. You understand? We've gone through it. So not that we can't stand adversity. It was, I think Abe Lincoln who said, nearly all men can stand adversity. But if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Give him power. See what he does with power. Mike, in this audience, I submit to you, even as a people, we were once in chains. Are you with me today? We was once in chains and shackles. We suffered adversity. Our women were raped and taken advantage of. Our children were sold away and our families were split. We as a people know adversity. We went through adversity. But what has happened since we've been given power? What has happened? We've been given power and we've used it to destroy one another. What do you mean we've been given power? Freedom. Our freedom became a source of power. If you don't believe it, ask the guy behind jail bars right now. See, as long as he's behind bars, he can dream big dreams. Watch this. He'll talk about what he's going to do when he's get out. Big dreams. You know why? Because his dreams are limited to an 8x6 or 8x10 cell. But when you remove the bars and he now have freedom, it releases a whole set of power. Watch what I'm about to say. And I reiterate Keith, uh, Lincoln, who said nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Mike, you, 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 you're probably barely old enough, but someone in, in the neighborhood to remember the song. Back in the day, it was called, We're Headed for Self-Destruction. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. Self-Destruction. Yeah. We're Headed for Self-Destruction. You remember that song? Oh, yeah. I don't remember that, that song. That was a prophetic warning to us even back then. <laughs> it was saying, listen, hey, 
you're headed for self-destruction. No longer is the white man with sheets over their faces and the hoods. What now is what is it that we do with the power that we wield? What do we do with this power? Do we take this power to build a stronger, better America, a better community? Or do we take this power to to trample upon one another? Mike, I ask you a question. What have we done with the power? Hey, Pastor Daglin, we've done nothing with the power but misused it. That's the only thing. And you said a mouthful. We haven't used the power, only the power that we have, we used it against us. And that's the bottom line. Um, We had power. We was given power back. We earned that power back, I should say. And we've done nothing since then but self-destruct. We've seen some bright moments, but I asked a question a while ago on Facebook, are we better now than we were 60 years ago? And I had overwhelming response on that topic, on that question. And the consensus are that we are not better off now than we were 60 years ago. And that's what the people think. And sadly to say, they pretty much, in some ways, are right. You know what's so amazing? You you know, Mike, uh, when I look at it, it's just so much we need to know. You know, you said something earlier, and you reiterated something I said. And I, I talked. You talked about education. We need a. We need to be educated. We we got to educate about our past and understand the future. I have a classmate, and um, and I don't know if she's even listening. I did send something out. If she is, she listening by way of internet. I don't know if she's listening by way of phone. I know she's not listening by way of phone. But I have a classmate uh, uh, who went to school with me in, in, in Selma, in Alabama, and I have a lot of great classmates. I'll put it that way. Uh, I'm very proud of this particular class, uh, uh, this particular class, because this particular class have produced a lot of great people. Uh, we have a U.S. Congresswoman uh, from our class uh, in, the, in the personage of Terry uh, Sewell, first black congresswoman, first woman congressman from the state of Alabama. Wow. Went to school with Michelle Robinson, who will become Michelle Obama at Derrick Princeton. Knew Michelle and Barack before they got married. Wow, uh, was friends of hers in school. But then we have a lot of other great classmates, and one I, I think of right now, her name is Tina, Tina Smiley. And, I, and um, a few years ago when I went back home to Alabama for another classmate of ours, funeral, who, who died such a you know, young death, and I had the opportunity. Uh, uh, Tina was there, always, in my own opinion, never a loud person in school, but always a little different, and different in a good way. You know, sometimes people think that you have to be loud and crazy and stuff like that, but no, she's different in a good way. And, and the one thing I remember about Tina, even in growing up, she was the type of individual, I think she was inquisitive. Well, I said all that to say this, that Tina uh, eventually ended up with this job uh, in Selma, and she, she worked inside of the whole tourist, uh, uh, how do I put it now, I guess tourism. In other words, there, there's a place, and, and I, I'm going to try to get Tina on as a guest here in the next week or so. I wish I, I should have done it this month because it was Black History Month, uh, but I didn't think uh-huh. of it. But, 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 but here's the thing that, that I was so blessed by with Tina, and I will never forget this because it stands out in my life. Like, like it, it stands out. It's one of those moments in my life where I go, aha, this is something that, that have resonated with me that 
that I really, I can't even begin to explain. But this is what I want to say. I remember Tina was basically, uh, uh, she, she got a job, let me put, put it this way, and she was worked for the Selma and Dallas County Chamber of Commerce, and, and what her job was is that she basically was the person there who was over tourism there, providing history and things to visitors and people who came through. And they had a place called the Interpretive Center, sitting between Lowndes County and Selma. And uh, uh, my brother, when you, when you walk through this, and I invite anyone uh, to look it up, because if you want to take kids on a field trip, take them on that trip. Take them on that trip there, because, listen, I was born and raised in Selma, Alabama. And some uh-huh. of the things that, that she shared with me, she took me literally on a private tour on a Saturday when the place was closed after the funeral. And when she took me through... And I'm looking at all these things because they had an interpretive center. A lot of these things were reenactment things. A lot of it was historical pain. It went from everything from, from, from your name, and Emmett Till to, to uh, Megar Evers, uh, uh, Evers uh, to, uh, to so many through history. But as she shared a lot of this history, I found myself in tears. I found myself totally in tears. I had to stop my camera, and I had to ask the question, how was all of this happening even in our time and we did not know about it? And she gave me one wow. answer that have stood, have stuck with me. She what said, because our parents, our parents shielded us from the danger. Oh. They shielded us. Makes, makes a lot of and, sense, though. And, and I think about it today. Unfortunately, today, so many of our children are being born to irresponsible children who cannot even protect themselves. Yeah. Let's not protect their children. Yeah. We see it. And, of course, this show is not about putting us down. It is about lifting us up. But the way that we yeah. lift us up is through education and empowerment. And I'm telling you, it doesn't take an act of Congress. It takes an act of our will. It takes an act of our will, an act of our desire, because I'm telling you something, that common sense should not be such an expensive uh, uh, commodity. We've got to reach down within ourselves to make it happen. I'm telling you, we've got to do better. I'm seeing it happen everywhere. And I'm telling you, I went out to, uh, yesterday, I, I just shared this with you and everything, and all of you that are listening, you can get in. We have just a few minutes left in the show. You listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin. I'm so glad that you've joined us tonight. Uh, we're on uh, Soul of America Radio Network, and I'm so glad. And this is our caller. Call in. This is Mike. Mike Steele, who's always such an informed, such a great uh, caller to call in. And we've had another caller earlier. Gloria, always glad to have you. And if you're listening tonight or desire to call in, you can call in at area code 323 Eight four nine six three eight, and if you'd like to have a comment or a question, simply hit number one on your keypad. If you're already holding, hit number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know you want to get in, and we'll get you in. But Mike, in the audience, let me say, yesterday I went with my 17-year-old, my senior. Uh, he had to go speak at a church, Black History Month, uh, back in January. He uh, placed second place in the Martin Luther King Oratorical Contest, and he did a speech in this oration that he calls "Pay It Forward." Pay it forward. And he goes through some really dramatic things about what we're indebted to. Matter of fact, it's on YouTube. If you look up Justin Thicklin, it's on YouTube. Pay it forward. And and, and, uh, and that wasn't a Martin Luther King uh, performance. That was there at a 
church that he was invited to after other people heard him do it. And since then, he's been getting a lot of invitations. I've been feeling like I'm the one now driving him around. He said, well, okay, it's about time. I've been following you your, my whole life. So, but, but here's the thing. <laughs> after, after he spoke at this particular church and went on to service, and he and I, uh, just he and I this time, we just went and we sat down, we, 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 we ate. It wasn't dinner because it was more lunch time, but we went and sat down and ate. And we began to talk. We began to just share father and son. And we began to talk about so many things as far as historical values and historical things that need, the things that we need to do and why. You know, I'm encouraging him to finish strong his senior year in high school. I'm encouraging him to understand that he has to make his mark on this life and that he must carry the baton to the next generation, that he has a responsibility, that he's just not existing, but he's here to live and to, be, to make a difference, that he's a world shaker and a history maker. He's been called for such a time as this that he cannot afford to be ordinary because ordinary just won't do and that average has got to die because the average is not our friend average has always been our enemy and so we're having those type talks these are things we've taught them their whole lives that average is today's failure you can never accept average that's why you can let no one don't let anyone allow you to embrace average and say oh they're okay well that's average you're doing average no i don't want to be the average person i wasn't created to be the average person neither were you wow and so we're sitting wow. there as we're, as we're eating. All of a sudden we hear this commotion on the table behind us, behind him. And here's a woman in her, in her party that's sitting there. And this little kid, about three, maybe three and a half, he's there with his look-to-be mother and, and some other people there at the table with them. And this three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old looked like he's been, you know, he's just already been very busy walking around and stuff. And the mother wasn't doing anything to control him. And all of a sudden, this little kid literally baptizes the woman in the other table. I mean, the water just spilled all over the woman, all over her, and the woman stood up, and, oh, my God, and, you know, and, and, and folks are calling for the, waiter, uh, the waitress to come. What was strikingly amazing to me is that the kid's mother never once said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Is there anything I can do? Never looked at the woman and said, I'm sorry, but rather begin to say something to the little kid, come on, boy, you bring your little bad self here and stuff like that. Sit down. Never offered one apology to the mother, to the woman that was at the table. And I'm watching, I'm listening for the apology. It never happened. They sat there a few more minutes, never gave an apology. The little boy still running rapid, doing what he wanted to, never gave an apology. Little boy grabbing stuff everywhere, never did anything. At the end, they get up, get ready to leave, a box of Kleenex. She, she hits him on the head with a little box of Kleenex, leave out of the restaurant, never offering an apology. <clears throat> now let me ask you a question. How much would that have cost her? Nothing. But even more so, what an awesome teachable moment that she missed. Yeah. What, an, what, an, what, an, what a teachable moment that she missed with her own child. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she left out. And I spoke with the party as I was getting ready to leave. I said, I'm so sorry that you had to receive a second baptism. <laughs> and the lady in just laughed. She said, well, she said, well, you know what? She said, it's because of the first baptism that I didn't go off on her. <laughs> so I could understand that. I said, oh, oh, but, wow. but did she ever give you an apology? I, I said, because I didn't see her do so. and Maybe I missed it. She said, no. She said, I'm sitting here looking bewildered and baffled because the mother never once apologized. Mm. Now, it goes without saying 
And I hate to say it. It was one of our little mothers, probably in the neighborhood between 22, 28. Neither she or anyone in her party once said, I'm sorry. Man, this is like... Even when we didn't have money, we had manners. Even when we didn't have privileges, we had manners and respect. Even when we did not have access, we had dignity. So I say to us that we're missing more. It's not money that we're missing as a people. I know one would argue that we just got to have economic empowerment. We need to control our own dollar. Let me say something to you. Surely there's a place for that. But I'm saying right about now, we just simply need to become the people that we need to become. Amen. I agree 100%. It is so important that we do a better job than what we're doing. We have a responsibility to one another. We have a responsibility to ourselves we have a responsibility to the next generation. Mike, the question was asked, what can we do? Yes, we have to educate. But I'm going to tell you, this is what I'm going to be starting. There's a campaign. There's a campaign to do better. And we're just going to treat our brothers and our sisters right. That is what we're going to do. Thanks so much for being with us, Mike. We're almost at the end, but I do have another caller that is calling and everything, and we're going to talk more about that campaign. Thank you so much for calling. The last few minutes here of our broadcast tonight, and we have a caller that's calling in, number in and in 6417. Welcome tonight to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. With just about three minutes left in the show, you're on the air. Okay. Hello. Caller, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Who do can we have tonight? Me? Yes, I can. I'm Antoinette calling from Montgomery. Well, I'm so glad to have you. How are you? I am absolutely wonderful, but I, I want to say I listened through the whole show, and I'm telling you, you are doing an absolutely wonderful job. I'm so proud of you. But one thing I do want to say that you were so right when you said that we had manners, and that's what yeah. matters because we're not teaching our kids about the manners anymore. And I'm so glad you said that because that was on the top of my list for tonight. You know, it is so important. You know, yeah, one lesson that will always resonate in my life, and, and God rest her soul, my mother always said this, and I found it to be true. She said, son, m- manners and respect will take you places yeah. that money never will. That's right. That's so And right. I found it to be so true. It has opened up the exactly. doors. It has given us so much. It has, it has allowed so much to happen in our lives. It has opened doors in my life that I cannot even begin to tell you. Simply because I was manable, I was respectable. And it said something. You know, we were taught to be that way because it reflected on our parents. And our parents yes. were very serious about how they were seen and, and what, did, what did their legacy look like. Do we even even recognize the legacy that we're leaving today? That is really where the great question is being asked. And I'm so glad that, um, you know, that some of us still believe in that. And I'm, I'm so glad to have you to chime in. Now, correct me. Was it yesterday or is it today uh, that you just celebrated a birthday? Uh, it was yesterday. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. And so I get a chance to say happy birthday you, to you uh, before what? the whole audience here. 
And, uh, well, you know, you a happy so birthday much. to you. And for those of you that are listening, this is my great friend, Antoinette. We have known each other for, Antoinette, I think I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. I know that now we're, we're going on to at least, what, 15, 16, 17 years? 16 maybe? years. 16 yeah. years. 16 years. Exactly. And I have to let the people know that I can think of no greater person than yourself. Your, your, wealth, your wealth of information, your wealth of knowledge, but most of all, your, your wealth of love and compassion. And, um, and I'm telling you, we have to capture that type of spirit and that type of energy in this day. Because, Antoinette, I'm afraid there's not enough people such as yourself and, uh, that, 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 that are left to, to, to spread this message. I don't want manners and respect to go out of style. I don't exactly. want the sense of dignity and integrity to become something of a loss of a loss of value. We have to stand and we have to speak up and we have to speak out. And it's exactly. so incredible so incredible, uh incredibly important that we do the right thing. And I'm always so glad to have you to uh, listen in to us. And so many I know that are listening, whether by Internet or by way of phone. But I'm so glad that you took the opportunity to call. And once again, we've been trying to do this for a year, but we've got to have you on very soon, within the next month, uh, because there are some things that I know that you've got to share with us because we have a lot of responsibility to do, even as a nation. Exactly, definitely. We've got to yes, learn to take definitely. care of our own. We've got to understand, once again, I'm quite sure you could, you could appreciate what I said, that freedom, freedom never comes cheap and is never free. That's right. It That's always costs free. something. And we Somebody have to value to pay the that. price. Exactly. You know, and even as a nation, we have to do so. But I thank you so very much. I hear, I hear the ending music going on in the yes. background. But I'm so glad Wonderful. that you've joined us. And please be back with us. I want you on as a guest real soon, and we will publicize it a lot better to have you on the okay. air with us. I'd, I'd love to. Thanks so much. And happy belated birthday again. I know I sent it out to you on Facebook, but I want everyone to, to know that you're my friend, and happy birthday to you. Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate you. Have a great one. Thank you. God bless you. God bless. Well, well, what a great night we've had here tonight on Hope of Healing, a journey to wholeness. This has been your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I thank you so very much for listening to us. You've been a great audience. Look, tell someone, join us next week, same time, and we'll be back with you for Hope and Healing, our journey to wholeness. Until then, have a great night.